Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Film Daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Tuesday, February 19th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And writer Chris Evangelista. Hi. So it is Tuesday. Uh, tonight, I'm seeing Captain Marvel... And I'm going to be away tomorrow at a press day for Spider-Verse in, uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, the home video release. So, uh, Ben, you're going to be taking the reins tomorrow, um, and you'll probably be reading one of my tweets on the air. Uh, I'm the sure. Re- yeah. So uh, look forward to that tonight. Uh, if you if you want to stay up, it'll probably hit uh, you know, SlashFilm.com in the Twitter sphere around like 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. But um, okay, let's jump into the news. Let's start off with Amazon. They're kind of changing the way they're looking at releasing movies. Um, Ben, tell us about it. Yeah, there are a couple different reports over the past few days at Variety and The Hollywood Reporter, and I tried to basically just condense them into the most interesting stuff, uh, one of which is that, or the, I guess the first of which is that um, Amazon is sort of shifting the way that it handles its theatrical releases. So uh, one of the big differentiators between Amazon and Netflix so far has been that Amazon has put most of its original movies in theaters for like a a normal theatrical run 
Um, and Netflix obviously has has sort of uh, been hesitant to do that. But now uh, Amazon is they're looking to acquire finished movies. They're also going to keep producing its own movies, but they are also looking to change the release windows. Uh, Jennifer Salky, who is the head of Amazon Studios, said, you'll see less of the three-month window and you'll see different variations. In some cases, it'll be important for us to get the movie quickly to the service while still following through with a theatrical release that feels much shorter, two weeks even, two to eight weeks. And then in other cases, we'll allow where it makes sense a wider release strategy. So basically what that means is, for certain titles, they're going to be just dropping them on to Amazon Prime Video almost immediately uh, in an attempt to attempt, you know, to try to attract new subscribers to that service, which yeah. is really what Amazon is all about. And this is actually kind of funny because, you know, a Netflix, like they they were kind of the white knight in this whole, uh, you know, Netflix Amazon streaming wars battle. Uh, you know, with theater chains, they kind of were. You know, taking the stance, we're going to release our movies in theaters, uh, as well as putting uh, eventually put them on Amazon Prime Video, and uh, where Netflix was like, you know, we want day and date, and theaters don't want to work with us, and you know, blah 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 blah. And now it seems like the tide is changing a little bit. Yeah, she said, you know, we still want to be able to really support a, the- a theatrical release. Uh, she mentioned the movie Cold War and, and said that, you know, look what we're doing with that. Um, Amazon spent almost $50 million at Sundance this year buying up a bunch of movies. And they, they said that uh, one of the big hits at the festival, which is Late Night, is going to be following the strategy of something like The Big Sick, which came out in 2017. So that hit theaters and got, you know, a pretty significant uh, theatrical push. So they're not getting out of the theater game altogether, but it seems like it's going to be more of a case-by-case basis, you know, depending on the movie and what it needs. So th- they're going to release some films that won't even go to theaters altogether? Yeah, that's the second part of this news, which is uh, there we're about to experience an influx of direct to Amazon movies. So they, you know, while while they're also going to be looking, you know, to release maybe like 10 theatrical movies a year, she mentioned that there could be 20, as many as 20 direct to service movies uh, within a given year on top of that. So Amazon could be looking to release 30. I mean, you know, that's 30 movies. And I think Netflix released something like 90 last year. So that's, you know, when you're comparing those, the, those numbers don't necessarily seem that impressive. But in terms of what Amazon has done in the past, uh, creating 20 movies a year specifically to go direct to Amazon is a big deal for them. Um, some of the types of movies that they're looking to make are, Jason Blum, the producer uh, who you know has produced Get Out and a bunch of the the Blumhouse movies, is making eight movies directly, you know, specifically for this streaming service. And Nicole Kidman has a first look uh, production deal with Amazon. And the movies that she's interesting or interested in making are sort of fascinating to me because uh, Jen Salky, the again the the chief of Amazon Studios, said that she's working with Nicole Kidman on this slate of quote sexy date night movies that no one's making anymore, <laughs> like No Way Out or Cruel Intentions. Those kind of I need to stay home and just drink wine with my girlfriend, my boyfriend, husband, and watch this type of movies. So uh, with Netflix doing the whole rom com thing last summer, we talked about that a lot with movies like Set It Up and To All the Boys I've Loved Before, and now Amazon looking to bring back these sort of provocative, sexy you know, date night movies for adults. She also mentioned basic instinct in another one of those. It looks like these streaming services really are, you know, filling that, that gap for 
the types of movies that Hollywood studios won't make anymore. For sure. Uh, Chris, are you excited to finally have some sexy date night movies to watch? Absolutely. I've been dying for some sexy date night movies. Uh, it's what I every year around Christmas time, I write a letter to Santa Claus and I say, please, next year, give me some sexy date night movies. I, 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 I really think conf- you're joking, but I bet you're serious. Chris. Like, <laughs> no, I actually love that. the idea of like making a new basic instinct because that's such like a sleazy move. Like if that's what they're going to if that's what like Nicole Kidman is making like sleazy violent movies for netflix or whatever i'm i will happily watch them please give me more sleaze now i don't know correct me if i'm wrong here and obviously these movies kind of went out of favor before we were adults i think we can say that um but it always seemed to me that these kind of movies existed in a time where pornography wasn't easily accessible via the internet uh you know even like there was like the, these kind of like weird uh they weren't poor i guess they were these sexy movies soft on hbo is, yeah soft core is the word but they, they all went out of favor you know i guess probably in the 90s at some point um, yeah i think you're talking about like the erotic thrillers like that yeah. whole genre so like now that people can actually <laughs> get from Get what they're looking for and that kind of thing. Like, is there really even a market for oh, you know, the sometimes people, sometimes people want more, you know, sometimes, Peter, I want a plot. You know, I, it's not all <laughs> it's not all titillation. I want a story. I want some, <laughs> uh, you know, high production value, some music, you know, some some camera dolly tracks. You know, I, I want I want some art with my 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 smut. So I think there's room. And and just to be clear, I'm not sure that Nicole Kidman is only going to be making erotic thrillers. No, but, no, uh, that's exactly what you said, Ben. That's, that's what she did. <laughs> I, I feel like she could mix a couple of those in there. But you know, sexy date night movies for adults. That sounds like a good a good thing to me because, like I said, we we really don't get that many like those types of movies in uh, cineplexes anymore. Oh, for sure. Um, okay, Let, let's move on from sexy to sexist. And let's talk about um, Rotten Tomatoes, which has kind of been the center of a lot of toxic fanboys and uh, just toxicity as a whole. Uh, It kind of started uh, around – when did it start, Chris? Do you you know, like, was it Last Jedi? It was before that? What, what, toxic fandom? No, but but there was, like, some attacks on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, there was – No, it was before that. It was, um, I would say, The Dark Knight, really, where – uh, anyone who dared give that a negative review, people were getting like death threats. Critics on there were getting well, death threats for giving that a bad review. Yeah, I guess what I'm talking about is the audience score. Like there was like these uh, organized yes. attacks on the audience score, and I think it started with the last uh, Last Jedi. I um, think I mean that's when it it came most to the forefront. I guess. Yeah, and uh, now it seems like they are targeting Captain Marvel, the the newest Marvel movie. Yes, uh, here here we go again. I uh, I'm tired of this. I'm t- As I wrote this story, I just kept sighing and being like, "God, why does this have to keep happening?" But it does because that's the hell we live in right now. So Captain Marvel, as we all know, is coming out very soon. And even though no one has actually seen it yet, as Peter said, he's he'll be seeing it tonight. But he's he's part of the first wave of people to really see it. Uh, even though that hasn't happened yet. 
people on Rotten Tomatoes under, you know, the fan review section are already uh, trashing this film and trying to, you know, lower that Rotten Tomatoes fan score. If you've ever been to Rotten Tomatoes, there's two scores. There's the critic consensus score. And then on the side, there's the audience score, you know, and they're, they're often wildly different. And, uh, Already, they're already trying to tank that audience score because they're very mad online, as the kids say. Uh, this this stems from a few things. For one thing, this is a a film that dares to have a woman as the lead, which is apparently just a big no no for some people. Yeah, but not, and, not just a woman as a lead. It, it really feels like it's going for a, uh, a feminist um, kind right. of push to it, right? Right, which uh, we should we should add the caveat that there is nothing wrong with feminism, and if you think there oh, is, no. you're you're a crazy person, listeners. <laughs> um, so, but uh, on top of that, um, there is this weird misconception of something that Brie Larson, the star of the film, said. So Brie Larson gave an interview with uh, Marie Claire. And uh, I'm not going to read the full quote, but in summary, she basically said she noticed while she was doing press tours that the majority of press people she was dealing with were white males, which isn't, you know, uh, you know, as as someone who works in the industry, I can <laughs> definitely say that definitely happens. I'm a white male. I when I've been to certain press events, it's been primarily made up of white males. There's nothing wrong with her saying that. It's a true thing. Yeah. I, so, I, I will say, break in to say this, that I feel like even three years ago, that was a much bigger problem than it is now. Like, it's definitely I, getting better, but it's still not. Like, I go to screenings, and I, I feel like there's a lot more female critics there. Uh, the last set visit I went on was almost like a 50-50 parody of, of, of female-to-male uh, ratio. Right. It's it's definitely getting better. But um, so the full extent of her quote, though, was she was saying when she decided to do this movie, she wanted to make a real effort to make sure the press tours weren't only white male. And that's that's the key here. She said they weren't. She wanted them to not be only remember the word only there. But for some reason, certain guys have misinterpreted her as saying she doesn't want any white males to see her movie, which is 100% not what she said. But if you go to the Rotten Tomatoes page and look at those, those uh, quote unquote reviews, almost all of them have people saying, I refuse to see this because Brie Larson doesn't want white males like me to see her movie, which again, she didn't <laughs> say that. I don't know why it's so hard to, comprehend what someone said like read her direct quote yeah. it's she doesn't she didn't say that but that's where we are right now as a society and it stinks and on top of that i am one of the first people that are going to see this movie tonight and i am a white male and i was not uh told i could not see the movie so right well you better you better uh, cancel your plans, Peter. You're going to get there, and Brie Larson is going to throw you out with her bare hands. She's gonna, she's gonna look at my, the color of my skin. Yes. She's gonna decide she's gonna that put I am you male. in the front seat of a jeep and push you out of the theater. Yes. yes. Um, I also think there's probably this is conspiracy theory on my part, but I also think there's another thing going on here. I think a lot of these people that are th these toxic fanboys. Uh, there is a big crossover with the toxic, toxic fanboys of the DC cult of like, you know, the Snyder fans. 
And I feel like there is, you know, there's always been a competition between DC movies and Marvel movies. So not that I have any proof to back this up, but I would bet if you went to the profiles of a lot of these people, you'd probably see Snyder or DC mentioned in some way. You th- I mean, uh, you know, it's definitely possible. But then how do you factor in something like, you know, The Last Jedi? That's not... Yeah. But then again, I guess it's owned by Disney, which also owns Marvel. So maybe yeah. I don't I don't know. Yeah. OK. <laughs> I just want I just want everyone to stop being terrible. That's all I want. Please, everyone out there, I beg you. Yeah. Stop learn, being terrible. Learn some reading comprehension. That and let's watch the movie before we decide it's bad or good. Right. Like for all I know, Captain Marvel will turn out to stink. But I'm not going to say that before I see the movie. Like you can't. It's such a dumb thing to draw that conclusion. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to John Lasseter, who we talked about uh, a few weeks back. He is now in charge of Skydance's animated uh, program, and uh, that has caused a bit of a stir. Ben, tell us about it. Yes, Oscar-winning actress Emma Thompson uh, was attached to provide one of the voices for Skydance Animation's upcoming movie. It's called Luck. She had already begun recording uh, her voiceover, but she has quietly left the project because of, quote, concerns about working with John Lasseter, who, as we know, is the former Disney Pixar animation guru who uh left disney uh, i guess that was 27 november of 2017 after some sexual harassment allegations came out and uh he was hired at the beginning of this year i think we talked about that uh on a previous episode of the podcast to run skydance animation uh the times up organization issued a statement saying basically that that uh hiring lassiter endorses and perpetuates a broken system that allows powerful men to act without consequence so they were not thrilled about that hire uh david ellison who's the chief of skydance uh studios uh they he basically hired an independent um firm to look into the allegations against Lasseter and decided to hire him anyway. So, uh, yeah, but Emma Thompson is, is not taking it. She decided to just leave the movie. So this movie is supposed to come out in 2021. So they have plenty of time to find somebody else, but, uh, good for her. I mean, if she doesn't feel comfortable in, in a working environment, um, she has every right in the world to just walk away from it. So uh, she was going to be playing the head of a an organization. The movie uh, follows – it's a comedy that follows – two sides, uh, two organizations that represent one organization represents good luck and another one represents bad luck. And it, uh, these organizations basically are, are in constant conflict to affect the daily lives of everyone on earth. And Emma Thompson, Emma Thompson was going to be voicing the head of the good luck organization, but now, uh, she has left the project. I feel like Emma Thompson said a point in her career that she can make these choices and it, it, the disappointing thing is I'm sure Skydance will have no trouble finding someone to replace her because they're, you know, obviously if people of uh, older actresses tend to, you know, it, it's been publicized that it, it's harder to find uh, roles, um, mm-hmm. substantial roles. And I'm sure whoever they go to next is going to jump at that. And that's kind of disappointing. I, I wish more people would, uh, you know, m- would, would jump ship and send a message to Skydance, but uh, Ben, is going to happen? 
I don't know. Um, Paramount has a is like the company that distributes all of Skydance's projects, and Paramount Animation is a separate division from Skydance Animation. And Paramount Animation uh, is run by a woman named Muriel Soria, and she basically, as soon as Lasseter was hired, she made it very public and, and clear that she was not happy with that, and she like retracted the entirety of Paramount animation away from Skydance and said that they're not going to be working with each other anymore because she wants to maintain a safe working environment for her employees. So uh, even within the Paramount Skydance kind of world, these divisions are already happening. So maybe other people will, um, you know, maybe this won't be the last we see of any sort of fallout uh, regarding John Laster's hiring at Skydance. I hope not. Um, okay, let's move on to Pepper Potts. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow plays her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it has been announced that she's going to be exiting the MCU after Avengers Endgame. Chris, tell us about it. Uh, yeah, we, we all probably could have guessed this because Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, contract is, is pretty much up, and it, it's pretty much assumed that he's done after Avengers Endgame and, uh, you know, not to not to say Pepper Potts can't exist without a male character, but so far in the MCU, she's only appeared as, you know, a part of Tony's life. So if Tony's gone, it's very unlikely that Pepper will still be there. And Gwyneth Paltrow, she did an interview with Variety and she confirmed that Endgame is uh, the end of her her tenure as Pepper Potts. At the same time, she says, uh, if they ever say, do you want to come back for one one shoot, she'll do it. But she also says this this is the end. Now, you can make of that what you want. You can assume her character is dying. You can assume she's going off into the sunset. You, you can feel free to speculate wildly. But just know that after Endgame, you're not going to see her uh, in that role anymore. She, uh, her character is one of the only people that have put, put on the Iron Man armor um, other than Tony Stark. So if Tony Stark were to die, uh, I guess we're, we're not going to get Pepper Potts replacing him? Uh, no, it seems uh, 100% <laughs> unlikely that unlikely. that will happen. Yeah, I, I would I would have predicted that. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the fallout is from Endgame and uh, if Pepper Potts even survives and who survives. But, um, okay, let's move on to another Marvel thing. Uh, talking about devastation, Netflix is kind of canceled, or hasn't kind of, they have canceled all the Marvel television shows at this point, this week announcing that they are canceling Jessica Jones in The Punisher. Uh, th- I don't think that comes as any surprise here. Uh, they've been canceling everything. Uh, but I, I think the big real news here is that Marvel, the head of TV at Marvel, Jeff Loeb, has published a statement online, and that gives fans a little hope. Yeah, exactly. So I I think, you know, it's important to mention right up top that Jessica Jones, the third season, has been shot, and that will air on Netflix, but the show has been canceled, so it just won't be renewed. Uh, I I was reading a little report uh, in The Hollywood Reporter today, and they said that basically Netflix canceled it now because a lot of the actors from Jessica Jones are um, auditioning for like broadcast pilot season and they didn't want to sort of be on the hook, like waiting around wondering what was going to happen with the future of that. So it seemed like this is actually like a a nice move on Netflix's part to just let these actors go. Uh, But yes, in terms of the future of these shows, Jeff Loeb, who's the head of Marvel TV, said 
Our network partner may have decided they no longer want to continue telling the tales of these great characters, but you know Marvel better than that. As Matthew Murdoch's dad once said, the measure of a man is not how he gets knocked to the mat. It's how he gets back up. To be continued! Exclamation point. <laughs> so, like, uh, you know, he's teasing something about the future of these characters and these shows. Uh, again, we don't know what this is. We have never known what this is because everyone involved with all of this Marvel Netflix stuff is being so vague about what is, what is the next step for these characters in these shows. Uh, are we going to see them in the same form with these same actors? We, we don't know. Uh, it seems unlikely to me, especially if Netflix specifically let these actors you know, know that they, they're free to go, you know, take take uh, auditions for broadcast pilots and stuff. Uh, it seems like everyone's just sort of being scattered to the winds. But uh, these characters belong to Marvel, and um, I, I can't imagine that they're just going to let them die forever. So, uh, Peter, what do you think is going to happen here when all is said and done? I feel like we talked about this enough on this podcast, but I, I feel like they're going to have to reboot them. But this these... I don't know. This statement from Jeff Loeb makes it seem like there's a possibility of these actors reprising these roles on, you know, in a Disney movie or TV show somewhere else. But he doesn't quite say that, right? Like, yeah, he just says these great characters. So, yeah, hmm, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, Let's move on to Avatar 2, because I know everybody is super excited for the Avatar sequels that are coming up. Uh, James Cameron uh, has recently done some interviews, giving us some insight on where the sequel is going to take us. Chris, what do we know? Yeah, uh, James Cameron, um, he's out there doing press for Alita Battle Angel, and it seems like all he's been talking about during this press tour is the, uh, the four Avatar sequels that are headed our way, because everyone wants to know what the hell's going on? And uh, he stopped by the Empire podcast and dished some info. Uh, and it boils down to the the character of Jake. And uh, I don't even know how to say this character's name. Natiri? Let's say that. Natiri, I think. Yes. Yeah, Natiri. Zoe Saldana's character. Um, you know, we all know at this point they're married in the sequels and they have like 30 children for some reason. And apparently they're going to have some marital strife and be getting in some big marital disputes. And according to James Cameron, it, it takes the film, at least Avatar 2, it takes it into some very dark places. And uh, he also calls the, the the four films in general an emotional roller coaster. And I, I think that's important to note because um, not to knock Avatar, I know lo- lots of people must have liked that first movie because it made – all the money in the world. But when I think back to the first avatar, I don't really think of emotional stakes. I think of, you know, the special effects. I think of the 3d, I think of that stuff. I think of the action. I don't think of things in an emotional way. So I kind of feel like the fact really, like James... I, I, you know, Come I'm not on. the biggest fan of avatar. <laughs> I am an avatar defender, but I remember the, that relationship between the and, um, uh, oh my Jake God. So- you don't Jake remember Sullivan. his name. No, Come on. No, no, no. Like, I, I, there were some real tender moments in that, like, moment near the end. Spoilers for Avatar, which is the most watched film in the world, I guess. So, uh, but, like, that moment in the end, like, where she's, like, he's in her arms and out of I don't I don't even remember that. The only I don't either. The only emotional moment I remember is when the giant 
tree explodes and everyone's upset. That's all I remember where people are like actually showing emotion. Beyond that, I don't remember any actual emotion. I remember people crying during this movie. Actual people or like the the blue people in the movie? No, you mean like the audience. People. All right. Well, look. <laughs> Will you let me finish my point here, Peter? Okay, and then you can go ahead. My point is, I've heard this criticism from other people too. Not it's not just me who thinks Avatar is low in emotional stakes. So I kind of think that James Cameron has been clued into this criticism, and he's deliberately decided to address it with these sequels, which. I'm positive about. I think if he really is trying to up the emotional parts of this film, these films actually, I will enjoy them a lot more. I said this recently, but I rewatched Terminator 2 recently and I was blown away not just by, you know, how well that movie holds up as an action movie, but there's like really emotional stuff in Terminator 2, which I think people actually forget about because they just think about the effects. So I, I like that James Cameron wants to bring actual emotional stakes into these films, and I hope he does. See, we need to get an email campaign to get Chris to rewatch Avatar in preparation no. for the Avatar sequels. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, I, I I don't hate Avatar. I liked it when I saw it, but I I've never felt an urge to ever see it again after I saw it in theaters. Um I am an Avatar defender. I I'm I'm very curious how many uh, you are. I do think that there was this backlash after the movie against this movie, and people tend to connect to their feelings of this backlash more than they connected to the feelings that they actually had in that cinema. And maybe that's a like maybe that right there is enough to, of a, a defining statement. But um, I don't know. I, I, I there, this film definitely doesn't have a legacy outside of you know the Disney theme parks. And I'm really curious how many people are going to go see this thing. Like, uh, the first one is still the number one movie of all time worldwide with two point almost eight billion dollars in box office. Chris, like, if this if this second film does half of that, it will be one point four billion dollars, which is still more than like almost anything ever. Right. Like, so, no, but, like, I, I feel like people are rooting. I know you're not rooting here for this to No, 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 look. I, but but $1.4 billion, to give you an idea, would be, like, the number eight movie of all time. I am I am by no means rooting against the Avatar sequels. I, I very rarely root against a movie. Unless, you know, I, I, I've said this before on the show, even though people tend to think I'm only negative i never go into a movie wanting it to be bad i because i see so many movies and if i wanted them to be bad my life would just be non-stop misery i go into every movie i see hoping that it's going to be good and sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't and if avatar 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 end up being good i will be thrilled i will say thank you james cameron for making good movies but if they're bad i'm not gonna sugarcoat it and be like well <laughs> at least he tried like you know i think at this point in his career james cameron knows what he's doing and if he delivers a bad movie it, it's right to call him out on it yeah but he hasn't yet right <laughs> so... whatever i mean no i i would say I mean, piranha <laughs> yes i guess 99 of his movies i think are great avatar is the only one i really don't love and i don't even hate it i just don't love it but so 
I, I think that all of this is a completely reasonable reaction, Chris. Your reaction to all of this news, based on what we've seen in the first Avatar, strikes me as as profoundly reasonable to be positive and and looking forward to a movie that James Cameron is making, uh, not ruling it out, not counting it down, not rooting <laughs> against it, and being excited about him talking about upping the emotional stakes for a sequel sounds like the correct approach to me. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what else to do. I get I get defensive about this because for some reason people get really angry with me if I say something even like slightly negative about Avatar and like what, what what do you want from me? I'm just being honest. I'm not I'm not trying to trash it. Yeah. Okay, we got to move on. We have one last story and we're already at like 29 minutes. Let's talk about Star Wars. There's some rumors that have popped up online uh, that Disney Plus is going to be doing some spin-off television series kind of like in the way that they're doing with the Marvel characters on on that service. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so to be 100% clear, the only Star Wars-related shows that we know for sure right now are in development at Disney+, Plus are Jon Favreau's The Mandalorian, uh, Diego Luna is going to Which, by the way, in... just wrapped production. Okay, all right. Uh, Diego Luna is going to reprise his role as Cassian Andor in a Rogue One prequel show, and then the animated Star Wars Clone Wars series. Uh, that's it. But now a, a new batch of rumors has come out from several sources, and you can find them in our article at slashroom.com, uh, that don't have any idea about the plots for any of these potential shows, but they suggest that all of these shows in some form or another are in early, early, early stages of development uh, as a potential Disney Plus show. I, I don't know. We haven't been able to verify if any of this is true. It's not completely unreasonable to think that Disney Plus... And, and Lucasfilm, you know, they're working on any of these shows because, you know, Disney Plus is going to need original content. And Star Wars is one of the most popular properties that they own. So I'm sure they're developing something. We just don't know for sure if it's these shows. But I'm just going to run through these really quickly and let you guys know what <laughs> what shows are rumored to be in development. So a uh, shows based on the following characters. Lando Calrissian, Kira from Solo, A Star Wars Story. Finn, Poe Dameron, young Princess Leia, Captain Phasma, Rose Tico, the Knights of Ren, and something called Darth Bane, which I've never heard of before this, but is apparently a character who was mentioned in one of the Star Wars, uh, I guess, novels, and then appeared briefly in the Clone Wars. He was voiced by Mark Hamill. Uh, he's like an ancient Sith character. So, uh, yes, that is the, the latest rumor is that all of these characters... <laughs> have uh, shows in the early, early stages of development. Uh, I, I don't know if any of this is true. Peter, would you want to see shows from, you know, involving any of these characters? I don't know. I don't. Does anybody want to see a Kira show? Does anybody want to see a show about Captain Phasma or, you know, after Who's all, Kira? Uh, she was the the second lead in Solo a Star Wars Story. Oh, Amelia Clark. Oh, yeah. see, I even forgot her. Yeah. Name. Um. <laughs> Captain Phasma does nothing, and uh, something tells me that Rose Tico isn't going to get a TV series because of all the backlash of uh, from Last Jedi. And also, I don't know if that actress would want to put herself through more of that. Um, plus, I don't know if that character has much more of a story to be told. I don't know. Uh, uh, Maybe Leia. Uh, what were the other ones you said? Uh, Bane. I don't. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> yes, Darth Bane. Lando Calrissian. Well, 
I think we could all agree that that could be cool if Donald Glover actually put, reprised his role from Solo and we got to see, like, the adventures of Lando. Yeah, if he did it. I mean, he's making his own show yeah. <laughs> called Atlanta on FX, and he's, like, one of the busiest people in the world, probably. Um, yeah. But, yeah, if he came back, I think that's probably among all of these, that's the one that I would be most interested in seeing because there's such a, a vast swath of uh, time between the events of Solo and, you know, when we see him in Empire Strikes Back, that you could just fill that, that all that space with, <laughs> or, or it could uh, take place before Solo. Then you could bring back uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge as L3. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's true. I, and they already have the set of the Millennium Falcon, so you could just use that. Um, it could be cheap. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I think Glover, is he his time is valuable. And Solo <laughs> didn't really make that much money. I, I don't know. It, all of this seems really weird to me because it seems like Disney and Lucasfilm took a step back after the box office um, failure of Solo Star Wars Story and decided we're not going to do these spinoffs at this point. We're going to take a breath. And um, all of these ideas seem like ideas that they probably would have had before that moment in time. But now... Yeah, the only thing I can think of is maybe they were thinking we don't want to do these spinoffs theatrically, but maybe it would work on Disney+. Plus. That's the only you know, work around to that line of reasoning that I can come up with. I do want to mention that StarWarsNews.net just reported while we were on the air that there is an Obi-Wan Kenobi series in development to be made for Disney+. And out of all these, this is the only one that I have heard rumblings from. I, I, this is something I have not been able to confirm uh, with any sources. But uh, I had been told that uh, that they had talked to Ewan to reprise his role for like a six episode limited, like you know, almost like a mini series. Is that something you'd be interested in seeing, Chris? Uh, I, I don't. I know I'm the odd man out here, but I don't really care about that character as much outside of the films. I mean, I like Ewan McGregor, and uh, you know, I think Obi Wan Kenobi works really well in the Star Wars franchise, but I don't really. I feel like giving him his own show or giving him even his own movie would do, would end up being the same thing as solo where it, it takes some of that mystique away. Like Han Solo worked so much better as a supporting character. And the minute you make him a lead, it, it sort of takes something away. And I feel like the same thing would hop, happen with Obi-Wan, but maybe I'm wrong. There, there's this fantastic mythos statue that was released by Sideshow Collectibles that uh, imagined what Obi-Wan looked like in between uh, episode three and episode four. And it was kind of a combination of Alec Guinness and Ewan. And uh, it, I don't know. It, it's a really interesting look. And it, like, I, I've, I do not own this statue. I've wanted to own, own the statue, but now it's like sold out and it's super expensive on the secondary market. Um, but I'm not sure that there's any story to be told with uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi at this point in his life because he's he's on Tatooine uh watching Luke grow up from afar right like Ben is there any story to be told I mean sure you could draw you know have different aliens drop in and try to attack him or or attack Luke and have like Obi-Wan like comically fighting people off in the background <laughs> while Luke has no idea that any of it's happening but um you know is that a good idea <laughs> your mileage will probably vary on that I you know personally I don't really think that 
any of these ideas outside of like the stuff that Disney is actually doing sounds like a, you know, something that I would be a hundred percent into watching, except maybe the Lando show, if Donald Glover came back, which is a lot of ifs. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about this. You, you know, another thing I would, I, I do want to express some enthusiasm for is not necessarily that I want to see a Knights of Ren show, but I would love to see the story of I, I, I'm guessing we're going to get some bits and pieces in episode nine, but I'd love to see the story of what actually happened with Luke and Kylo and the Knights of Ren and the Jedi Temple. And I feel like we're just going to get that filled in in like a novel or a comic book at some point after the conclusion of the saga. But like, I feel like that could make a good TV series now. Uh, for the hardcore Star Wars fans, I would say, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and speak for Chris because I can confidently say that he and I both give zero shits about the Knights of Ren. <laughs> yeah, I, I could care less about <laughs> But it's not about the Knights of Ren. It's about Luke teaching Kylo and Kylo's, you know. But we already, we already know everything we need to know about that. We yeah. know that he saw darkness in him and we, you know, all, yeah, I just, I, I feel like the mistake the 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 whatever you want to call it the anthology films made which caught up with them really quickly is that they were filling in backstory that we actually didn't need filled in and uh, i think to just do something like that you know is doing the same thing if anything i would like more follow-up stories i would like things that came after what we've seen not things that came before i don't need those blanks filled in i can you know either use yeah. my imagination or just assume what happened give me something you know in the future that's what i want yeah that's why the mandalorian is exciting because it's like it doesn't really touch much of the stuff that we've seen before and i, I would i wish that disney would like alter its business model to concentrate more on that but um i guess it, it probably makes more financial sense for them to have some sort of familiarity with characters and things like that so we'll see if any of these actually come to fruition but uh i thought it was worth mentioning on the show yeah Okay, that brings us to the end of today's Slash Film Daily. You can find more of all of our work at SlashFilm.com. You can find all the stories we talked about today in the show notes and on the website. You can find this podcast, Slash Film Daily, on iTunes, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at SlashFilm.com. And if you want to hear, if you want Chris to go and have to rewatch Avatar, please tell us because I'd love, I'd love to to hear that. Maybe we can record an audio commentary of just your groans as you're rewatching <laughs> Avatar. I love how this podcast has just turned into people suggesting things I do, like just forcing me to do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay please head on over to our itunes page uh give us a five-star review tell your friends spread the word and we'll see you tomorrow <laughs>